And welcome back to the Brace Yourselves podcast. I will start this episode by saying pain, <laughs> intense pain for me. A very interesting weekend of football ahead for Ian and I to discuss today. Not one I enjoyed. I won't lie to you, Ian. How were your thoughts on the weekend? Oh, you know exactly what my thoughts are. I had a great weekend. It's a rarity I get to say these things. I was literally... Uh, I, I feel like we're just jumping the gun. We've already named our best and worst moments of the weekend. Like, well, mm-hmm. right in there. I think people could have guessed anyway. Yeah. I had to literally fight multiple people, listeners, so that we didn't do a brace showcase on Wilfred Zaha. Because that... I was pushing for it. I was pushing for would it. Would have been pain. But luckily, someone else who has a closer sentimental value in Ian's heart managed yeah. to sway him so we'll, we'll get on to that a little bit later but we'll start off by talking about Man United I guess because it's just yeah, rip, let's start there. rip the bandage off rather than well let, let me just is. let me just you put, go you go you, yeah it's your turn anyone who was like oh Harley's just gonna lay into you this entire time well I'm about to get laid into because you know no no you know how I am with football. I ain't going to lay into you because next week I know we'll probably be under the thumb. But uh, I, normally I'd be sympathetic towards Man United in this situation. But my mum's a Palace fan, so there's no sympathy this time around. I'm sorry, mate. And after that performance, I'd struggle to give you sympathy if you lost to any other team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't... I mean, I, felt, I did feel for you. Don't get me wrong. But Palace haven't won in a while. They looked really good first week out. And if they continue this form, they could well be dangerous, especially with Zaha. Well, it's not looking good for me in terms of my season no. predictions. In, 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 I've won. I said Palace would get relegated, <laughs> and they've currently won their first two games. And two, I said United would get top four, which I don't believe now for, for a second. No, I said uh, that so as well, and I'm doubting it. it. Excuse the deflated nature of my tone this week it was a tough game to watch it's hard when you lose at home it's always hard when you lose at home but especially when you lose to a team like Palace and don't get me wrong Palace deserved to win they were the better team they tactically knew what they wanted to do they played their low block they they dug in they counted they were lethal on the counter on paper United's team definitely should have been able to beat that Palace side however there were some odd selection choices in that match Timothy Forsu men's are playing at right back instead of Wan-Bissaka crazy to me. Dan James playing on the right highlights to me why Manchester United need to buy a right winger. It's as simple as that. We don't have a natural right winger. right? And when you've got someone who isn't left-footed playing on uh, the right and they have to shoot, it's always going to be more challenging. In terms of Scott McTominay as well, that was an odd selection choice. I don't know why he played. I think I'm not going to make excuses. Uh, Lots of people have tried to make excuses for Man United uh, this week that we didn't have um, a pre-season, essentially, that we didn't have match fitness, that we didn't have uh, everyone to 100%, Pogba had COVID, doesn't matter. United didn't play well enough at the end of the day. Now, Bruno Fernandes may have gone back to Portugal uh, because he had his second child. He's allowed to do that. That happens. That's life. But you can't put the onus on excuses anymore. It's a combination of things. It's a combination of poor selection. It's a combination of lack of transfer activity. This is why you need your transfer targets in before the first game of the season. right? Look at everyone else. They've already got their major targets in. And yeah, they probably will still do business after the deadline. However, what matters is they've got the main gaps in their team that they, need, they think need strengthening and they have strengthened. You know, I haven't done that. Victor Lindelof, my fucking God. 
He was awful. And every United player was awful, apart from Donny van der Beek. Every single one. But if Pogba is not fit, if Lindelof's being sent home on international duty because they're saying he's not fit, then why is he playing? Play a youngster. I'd rather play someone who's 100% and wants to give 100% rather than watch Lindelof get muscled off the ball by Wilfred Zaha. How are you getting muscled off the ball by Zaha? That's outrageous. And don't get me wrong, Zaha is a good player. And I said last season he was terrible. And he was terrible last season. He's nearly, this is how indicative of how, well, this just shows how bad he was last season. He's nearly beaten his goal scoring tally for last season in the first two games. Right? And he scored a good goal. There are a couple of points of contention I would like to speak about. And I sort of spoke to my mother about this as well. And she sort of agreed. Not that she's the barometer for, for all things legitimate. No, no, she is. She, she's the, definitely the Premier League. But yeah. um, I think this, pre- this penalty rule is, is an issue, right? And not because I don't think it should be taken again, because if the rule is De Gea is slightly off his line, the rule is De Gea is off his line. But my point of con- uh, contention with it is, if Jordan Ayew takes the penalty and De Gea saves it, Jordan Ayew has to take the penalty again not switch it to another penalty taker, Wilfred Zaha, and let him take it. That's not fair, because De Gea has to just had to save that and be dejected. And you're going, right, well, I use dejected. He's not taking the penalty. We're going to let Zaha take it. For me, that's fucking bullshit, right? On, are you on, takes the penalty. On that point, I do agree. I felt it really strange that they swapped out penalty takers. And you are right. Like, it's about those two people in that moment. They've made that decision. And like, if, they, if one messes up, and they get to take it again or whatever. Like, that is on those players. It's about those players in that situation. And, yeah, like, what's De Gea going to do? He's, he is dejected. He's just messed it up, and he's made the save, and then he's got to go again. There's no one else that can replace him in that moment. So, yeah, I think that was extremely unfair. I think that needs to be looked at by the Premier League, in my opinion. I don't think you should be able to go, right, well, you missed your penalty. We're letting someone else take it. But De Gea, you've got to save it again. For me, it's as simple as that. It's not fair. The phrase is, you've got to retake the penalty. You don't get, it's not a second penalty, yeah. right? So for me, it's that, that annoyed me. But I think there was just a sense that everything that could go wrong in that game for United did go wrong. And not in like a, it was just like a, an amalgamation. Yeah, yeah, it was frustrating. It was like, <laughs> well, of course he's got to retake the penalty. Of course he has to retake yeah. the penalty. Yeah. And then we looked like there was a little bit of hope. Donny van der Beek came on, was miles better than Pogba. And that's not a criticism of Pogba's ability because I know he's just had COVID. He was not fit. Pogba couldn't even pass the ball five metres in front of him, right? He was shite. He was pure, pure garbage that game. So if Ollie seeing him doing that in training, which he will have been doing, just start Donny van der Beek. I, I know there's this whole easing it in mentality. He came on. Palace couldn't cope with him. We scored, right? Then, unfortunately, Lindelof's like, <laughs> boom. Zaha, you want a free shot? Go on, then. And Zaha puts it in. And don't get me wrong, it's an incredible finish. It is an incredible finish. But, yeah, look. You shouldn't be seeing that from the likes of Man United. It's just... It like, just... Opening game of the weekend, you know, opening game of their season, it shouldn't be looking like that. You shouldn't be giving away easy balls like that. I think... But then, I mean, I can't say too much considering Spurs' first... Look, United could go and beat Brighton and then it's all hunky-dory again. But I don't think we're going to beat Brighton, as we'll talk about later, because I think Brighton looked quite good. Um, good. So, again, I think, unfortunately, if, if 
if, if Man United Football Club were a cauldron, we were like boiling. We were like ready to boil mm. over just before this game. And we're like, well, hang on. We win this game and then maybe it comes down and we turn, turn down the heat and it comes down from a boil to simmer, whatever you want to whatever analogy you want to talk about. But it didn't. It, it, we have hit boiling point. United have not strengthened in the market. They're still not looking to strengthen. There's 12 days left in the window. We need a right winger, a left back and a centre back, right? The way United easily fix that for me is Alex Tellez, Deo Epimancano and Jane Sancho. Will we get all three of them? Definitely not. Will we get one of them? Maybe. Tellez looks like it's going to happen, but we'll talk about that when we get to the transfer section. But yeah, just frustration and pain for me. But on a brighter note, Spurs bounced back you know, as, as we asked the question and they did. And they did. And I think it's always funny when we, you talk football because when it gets to your team winning, you don't really have that much to say. You can just mm. sit there with a smug smile on your face. You gloat a little bit. And like there isn't too much to talk about in that game other than, you know, Son, just absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. workhorse as always, just hitting him in from left, right, centre, and it's just a joy to watch. And it did feel a bit more like a team mentality, but I feel maybe this may just be a blip. Like, this is how Spurs do things, lose one, win one, lose a couple more, then they bounce back with a good win. So while I enjoy the win at the weekend, I still don't think this is the Spurs side that's going to do that huge amount of damage this season. They still don't look cohesive, especially when you look at that scoreboard and, you know, three goals are in by Son. Um, other than Kane supplying all uh, assists. Yeah, he got four goals on that. Yes, the assist and then got one himself. And that's when you're like, okay, those guys have been playing together for years and that makes sense. Like, at least they're connecting. But the team as a whole, is it connected? I don't think so. It doesn't look meshed and gelled, even after, you know, a win like that. I, I think... I honestly think you're being too critical of Spurs in that game. I, I watched the game and it was painful to get up the next day and go, right, football today and, and not be like football is a black abyss and I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. I thought Spurs, I, don't, I agree with you, I don't think they looked absolutely incredible, but they showed conviction, they showed heart. Unfortunately, I think Spurs are becoming a team where they need a little bit of a blood, a little, a little bit of a blooding before they can start blooding back. And now yeah. you got bloodied against Everton, but you didn't ever strike back. But I came, the goal before half time was the turning point. Humans on what a finish it was, the first goal. To be honest, they're all good goals, but I think Mourinho's right. And this is to take nothing away from Humans on because I think he's absolutely incredible and an incredible player. Mm. However, I think Harry Kane shows, which is emphasized in the All or Nothing documentary and on the pitch, he will be a team player for Spurs. If it's four 100%. assists, it's four assists. If it's four goals, it's four goals. It doesn't matter to Harry Kane. Yeah. As long as Spurs win. Right? You needed a convincing win- victory to bounce back. And yeah, I didn't put Son in my fantasy team, but I put Kane in because he's usually very good against Southampton. And sure. he still was because he got four assists. But don't take away from yourself and Spurs. Southampton were a hard team to beat at the end of last season. They took some big results. They beat City 1-0. They drew 2-2 with us. They were a difficult team to break down. And yes, they did have some bad blips last season. But I was like, wow, this game's getting dramatically out of hand. And yeah, Southampton gave up towards the end. Right? Yeah, I, guess, I guess maybe I am being harsh. But it does come from that perspective of everything I've witnessed with Spurs after the last few seasons. And it's hard to get excited 
and seeing a win like that does get you excited, but then I'm like, next week. Like, it's, it's instantly deflated, and especially when, you know, you know, the potential of Ali going, we've got Bale in. It's all these kind of things where you as, like, a fan are just kind of like, you're never ready to, like, you're never ready to gloat or be like, that's a win, we're going to hold on to that one. It's just like, in the moment, you're like, yes, at last. And then you're kind of like, what are we going to do next? And that's kind of how I feel about Spurs. Mm. If, I, if I was a betting man, which I am, actually, I would say that Gareth Bale is going to be good for you. I don't know why. I got this feeling that Look, he is going to be good for you. Yeah, I know I had my rant last week as well about Bale, but I do agree with you. I think he will make plays and put in, if him and Kane together. I think there's going to be a great bit of chemistry there as long as they don't butt heads too much. But they're both, they like to hold up play. They like to go forwards. They like to, you know, use their heads. They're, they're willing to make those sort of sacrifices. Um, so. As long as Bale doesn't bring his attitude over. That's my only worry. The thing is, I don't think he's going to. And I think I watched an interview with him and Peter Crouch. He was asking him about the transition, why he's come back to Spurs, why he didn't think he worked out at Real Madrid and stuff like that. And obviously he was giving his PR sugarcoated answers. But I think the core theme there was he wanted to go and play for somewhere where he would be appreciated again. And that's why even when he was, wasn't playing for Real or wasn't playing well for Real, he always played well for Wales. And while they are limited by their ability, he is always a game changer. Yeah. I think that's the X factor with Bale. He is a game changer. I've seen him change games in a moment. I think he's going to do all right. I think Sun, Kane and Bale is very dangerous going forward. What I think will let you down this season is your defensive line, if I'm honest. Yeah, and I, I said that at the beginning as well. Like, you know, I've always prided Spurs in terms of their defensive line, but this year it just doesn't look like it's there. Like, there's, there's no signing that makes me comfortable and Doherty hasn't really shown that he can do much. He is very good at going forward, but very poor at going back. Exactly. The issue. We're, used to kind of, we're used to that kind of football, but he just doesn't have the same thing that you know Walker would do or Rose would do where they'd come flying back like they would go forwards and they'll come back at just the same pace and I don't think he does it yeah it's yeah it's, it's an interesting one the Spurs problem but listen to give you some confidence Mourinho took a very average Man United side to second place right and any other year United's point tally would have won the league for sure. Just keep that in a in your mind. He can yeah. do it. There is something about him. Problem is, I think the level that the Premier League has risen to in terms of spreadability across the top six is like, whoa. And, you know, people are getting carried away. and Maybe that will lead us nicely into Everton. Everyone's talking about Everton maybe being like title contenders, like top six. And it's like, well, hang on. It's, it has only been two games. It's calmed yeah. down. And it was West Brom, and I'd like to point out that West Brom did score twice against them, something that Spurs did fail to do. There is obviously some work needed in West Brom, uh, not in West Brom, in Everton's back line. I thought it was an okay game. Javis Rodriguez looks awesome if he's given space. He, he, he's simple. the one. We, we said he wasn't going to do anything. That was our original prediction, but he looks No. Uh-uh. So... I said Oh, you said, one, okay. You said any uh, unique prediction for the season, anyone to watch out for? And I said, watch out for Hamas Rodriguez. Okay. Right? Because if he's given the space, he can do wonders. Problem is, what's going to happen when teams like Man City, Liverpool, press him, he won't be able to dictate the play. It just won't happen. Mm. They're an interesting side. I thought Everton played well, but I, I wasn't like, oh my God, they look incredible. I was just like, wow, Everton scored five goals. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's hat-trick, great, good for him. English talent, very, very yeah, happy. Nice, yeah. Looks good. Even, even when, <laughs> I think the commentator said that day, he said, 
when you score with the back of your head like that, you know it's your day on the pitch. It's as, it's as simple. It is because it's so hard. It's to, true. Yeah. Just sometimes you get. I don't want to say it's luck because it's not because you have to show willingness to be there and have the attacking position in to read the play. But sometimes everything just goes your way. For me, it's as simple as that. And he he was quality. He's his attacking position is great. His finishing is pretty good. They they look like they could get top six. I reckon they could easily finish above United. And that's my concern. Mm. So I think, I think I think the the season as a whole. I know we're only two weeks in. Is definitely shaping up interestingly because we spoke in our first episode about how we thought it was going to be a very attack like attack based season. And you know, in that first what on on Saturday, what fourteen goals went in? Yeah. And we're we were have, right. We were right. It's, it's going to be high. I don't think anyone's got defensive lines. Everyone's just going forwards. Um, and I think the Leeds game was quite a point on that. Again, uh, Leeds, Leeds, they look good. It was a good game. But there shouldn't be that many goals. Four, three, like... I'm going to be critical Leeds just, of Leeds. I think, they, I think what Leeds have at the moment is just the passion to try and get that win. They're not defending... They're hitting, ultra-attacking, and just going for it. And that's what they're literally just throwing the kitchen sink to get it done. I was sitting watching the Leeds game with my partner on the sofa, right? And we were looking after my mum's dog for the day, just to paint a picture in the listeners' heads. And she turned to me at 4-1 and she said, it's over, isn't it? And I said, yes. What? I was fucking wrong, wasn't I? <laughs> literally, Fulham scored two goals. Now, yeah. I'm going to be critical of Leeds here. I praised them a lot last week, but I will be critical. Defensively, shambolic. Very, very Doesn't poor exist. defensively. Danger for me. Could easily go the way of Norwich, where they come out of the gates, full of passion, we're back in the Premier League, let's go, go, go. And yeah. all of a sudden, they start getting absolutely mullered by teams. It's... Ugh. They're a bit of a flip of a coin for me now. First week, I was like, listen, it's Liverpool, of course, they're going to score four against Leeds. It just, it's Liverpool. But when Fulham score three against you, you think, well, hang on, what are City going to do to you? What are Spurs going to do to you? What are Everton going to do to you? I wouldn't say United because that's not be ridiculous. But any team with, a, with strong attacking prowess, you've, you're, you're effectively, your main objective leads is you have to guarantee you're going to outscore the other team. And to give up a 4-1 lead, Bielsa must have been furious at half, uh, furious at full time. He must have yeah. gone into them. No way. That's like a FIFA capitulation. That's Bottle Job <laughs> FC. That's my middle name, right? Professional footballers shouldn't be doing that, at least not at that level. No, it's, it, it, it was quite shocking. I mean, talking of shambles, should we talk about Chelsea? Uh, do you know what? <laughs> I think Liverpool looked average. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Chelsea. Same. Yeah, Nothing and special, Liverpool fans might hate on me, say, "Oh, you're a United fan, whatever." I think before that red card, Chelsea were 100% in that game, and I don't yeah. think I think I was watching something. I was watching like a YouTube video, and there was like a Chelsea fan on it and a Liverpool fan on it, and the Chelsea fan said, "I think we had a better half," and Liverpool fan was like, "That's absolute bollocks," and got really argumentative and started talking about possession stats and stuff like that. No. I'm sorry, possession is not everything in football. Yeah. Chelsea got behind Liverpool's back line three times in the first half. I'd like to point out they won a penalty with 10 men as well. And that Timo Werner looks scary. Mm. If he can start banging them in, he gets behind defensive lines like they're nothing. Yeah, he looks good. I mean, like Chelsea do look good, but it's just... In that last final bit with the red card, like it's just like you shouldn't be doing that at that level. Listen, if if they're all if, if a football team is a puzzle, right? Yeah. Liverpool put out there a hundred percent puzzle. 
And Chelsea only put out their 70% puzzle because we still haven't seen Ben Chilwell. Mm. We haven't seen Ziyech. We haven't seen their new goalkeeper, Mendy. We're also not talking about the Kepa factor. My God. <laughs> I mean, you were up. just... You were ripping him last week and then Give he gave him this. Up, I Kepa. was laughing. It's like... it's it, For me, it's now reached a point of I am... I genuinely am starting to feel sorry for you. Please it's stop complete, making mistakes. Are we not at the point of parody yet? Like... Oh, just... He wants to. The, 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 the sad thing about the Kepa situation is he the wants energy, to do yeah. well. There's right? so much hope in him. But everything he does just turns to shit. He's like the, the, the shit version of the Midas touch. He's terrible. Uh, and uh, listen, dodgy long shots happen, but you cannot pass it to Sadio Mane f- uh, three meters in front of you. It's just not on. You can't do it. Why have you not just booted really it shocking. out? Right? And you're trying to overcompensate with confidence for insecurity. But what you're actually doing is you're costing your team points. Because if it's one goal, Frank Lampard said in the post-match, and I kind of agree with him, but he said football doesn't often go this way. He said, if the goalkeeping mistake doesn't happen, and Liverpool only score the Sadio Mane goal, and Chelsea get the penalty, and they score it, it's 1-1. And mm-hmm. it's a different game. And it is a team game. And unfortunately... Chelsea's backline still looks rubbish, right? They're, they're counting a lot of their stars or whatever on Thiago Silva coming in and fixing their backline. 36 never played in the mm. Are you kidding me? That is such a risk. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely bizarre. Ben Chilwell is an attacking left back. He's not a defensive left back. He can defend, but he is an attacking left back, right? And Azpilicueta's passed it. Rudiger's passed it. Christensen, this is who we'll talk about now, Ian. Why did you bring him down? Right? Easier to go one nil down and try and get back in the game than it is to get sent off. Yeah, was... I mean, Chelsea have to defend for 45 minutes with 10 men. Idiot. Yeah. Poor, poor decision making. Horrendous. Even made even worse, compounded even worse because I think Kepper was going to get the ball. Yeah. Massive mistake. Wait, is that is that the fact that they don't have faith in Kepper? I think a lot of oh, yeah, I mean obviously, but when he does that with Sane. If your goalkeeper instills so much fear into you that you're willing to go 10 men down rather than concede one goal, get him out. Just play a youth keeper. Play with Willie Caballero. That obviously, we know now, and we'll talk about in the transfer section, that Chelsea have, in fact, bought a new goalkeeper. Yeah. And it, Kepa's time at Chelsea is done. I imagine very much he's going to go the way of uh, Phil Jones at United, which is they can never get rid of him, but they will just let his contract run down. Mm. Or maybe he'll go the way of Carrius at Liverpool, when obviously Carrius cost Liverpool a Champions League final. He got loaned to Turkey. That, that who, Something might happen like that. Well, who knows, you know? Spurs might purchase him because they love a crap keeper. So... Yeah, but you've got a really good keeper as well, so I guess it balances Yeah, I know, out. exactly. That's what, I don't know why we, we're buying... I still can't get over Joe Hart, really. I'm still to stuck be, with him, mate. To be honest, I think Gazaniga is a good goalkeeper as well. Yeah, I know. We've got two. I don't, I don't know why he's sitting there on the bench. don't understand. Well, that. it's good. That, well, that's the rule of the, the rule of thumb. Yeah, it's great. You, 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 need, you need two quality players in every position, and you, you've got that in your goalkeeping sure. department. Definitely. So... Let, we'll round up the well, weekend. Because yeah, I was just going to say, another surprise of the week, I think, uh, Brighton game. Brighton looked good. Well, I am shocked that Brighton went to Newcastle and beat them 3-0. I am absolutely shocked. Yeah. Especially like, after Newcastle's first game. I thought they looked good. Callum they, looks good. And... Or, you know, you, you, you can look at things in alternative perspectives. Did West Ham look terrible? Well, they and, looked quite good against Arsenal. 
that's the way West Ham are, right? Lose to, lose to the teams they should beat and then beat United 2 0 last season. Yeah, that's that's yeah, all, that's all that's way, lose to everyone towards the end of last season, but beat Chelsea 3 2. It's just the way they are the England version of a domestic Premier League team. It, they are a nightmare. But yeah, Brighton, strong, yeah. compact, defend well, attack well. I was speaking to my Brighton fan friend before the start of the game, and he said he was worried about attack. <laughs> I rate more pie, right? Yeah. He hates more pie. But I said, when push comes to shove, that guy's come from League One to the Premier League and he scored nearly 20 goals. You can't be too critical of him. Mm. Yeah, one of them was a penalty. So what? He scored goals against Arsenal. He scored goals against Spurs. He can play. He doesn't care. Now, has he got a temperament problem? Yes, he does. But the real yes, star sir. of the show for me was Lamptey at right back. He was everywhere. Looks Won the phenomenal. penalty. Thanks for the fantasy points, Lamptey. Really appreciate it. <laughs> he looked lethal against Chelsea, which is obviously his own club. And I thought, oh, maybe he's a little bit more fired up because he's playing against Chelsea. Maybe he won't be as good next week. No. He is. A, he looks decent, that young yeah. right back. I, I, I mean, I'm thoroughly impressed. And it makes me nervous for the Man United game against Brighton. Exactly. And, and I mean, to tip it all off, Connolly's third goal... That final goal was something special. It absolutely whizzed it. Oh, it yeah. just popped out of nowhere and banged that thing. So, yeah, I think if they continue on that form, yeah, be worried. Be very worried. Look, I, it's a double-edged sword for me because I want Brighton to do well because I'm like 30 miles exactly from Southampton and 30 miles exactly from Brighton. So I don't want either of them to do poorly, but I don't want them to do well against me either. <laughs> That's that's unfortunately that's that's the honest situation. That's the football logic right there. Oh, of course, of oh, absolutely of course. But in terms of games over the rest of the weekend, I can't. I, I didn't really watch the Leicester and Burnley game. I caught the highlights and the Arsenal West Ham game. So we won't touch on those too much. We know obviously. I I knew Arsenal were going to win, but they they yeah. they did struggle again. Arsenal looked like a team that could. Struggle against the teams they should beat, but then they'll probably go and beat Liverpool next weekend. That's the sort of team they are. Yeah. But I, I do find it funny that somehow the journalists have given them the title of an undefeated season so far. It's been two games, people. What are we talking about here? Yeah, but unfortunately, as I, most Arsenal fans will tell you, if you look up in the dictionary, you see, look at synonyms for Arsenal, it says undefeated, invincible right next to it. So any time they haven't lost a game this season, that gets wheeled back out. I The only good part... Of last of Liverpool winning the league last season was watching Arsenal fans sweat that there was going to be an Invincibles two. They were in turmoil. What yeah. beat Liverpool on the streets? I bet all of all of Arsenal were nuts. Always rated Ishmael Saab. What an absolute hero! I expected Leicester to win. I didn't. I knew it was Burnley's first game, right? So it's good that they put up a fight. But they've they've had a long time off as well. Jamie Vardy. I don't think he's going to be the sensation he was last season. So, no, I'm lacking the special talent. I think I put him in my fantasy team. I thought maybe <laughs> it's Burnley. He scored 22, 23 goals in the Premier League last year. No. And I was like, four goals? Surely he scored one. Watch the highlights. I was like, oh, he's, he's been absolutely shocking. But yet they sit at the top of the table. Yeah, on goal scored, right? Yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. But then, we'll, but then we'll say it's two, two games in. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, Everton. Too harsh before that game, Everton were top of the table. Yeah, it's all it's all relative. Look, if they're there at Christmas, then I'll start talking to you about maybe Leicester can have a title run. 
It's, it's as simple as that. Well, when, when will be the new Christmas for the Premier League this year? Surely it's got to be like end of January, right? We've started a month later, essentially. So we're now going end of Jan will be indicative of who's going to win the title with no interruptions. Yeah, I, I mean, well, the way the country's going, who knows at this point? Yeah, I mean, look, your game, your game was called off yesterday, so exactly. we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's just do our quick roundup of the weekend. So what was your best game, Ian? Oh, my best game, straight up, obviously, Spurs. Like, well, what else am I going to talk about? And then you're going to ask me what my MVP is. Who am I going to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. Look, it was, it was, my best game was Spurs as, Spurs and Southampton as, as a neutral. It was very enjoyable mm-hmm. to watch, lots of goals. My one to forget, you know who it was. Victor Lindelof and Manchester United. What, what was your worst game of the weekend in terms of, who, rather, who do you think had the worst game of the weekend? And then you say United and I say pain and we move on. Uh, no, actually, to be honest, I think I think the Chelsea Liverpool game was a wash. Like you know, we hyped it and we said, "Oh, you know what's going to happen? It's not going to be great." And yet, I still went and watched the highlights with a bit of hype, and I was like, oh, "This is boring." Like it, it didn't have that energy. It didn't have the Titans button heads. It was just like, okay. And then you go watch, you know, Leeds Fulham. You're like, "Well, this is way more entertaining." Oh yeah. Well, imagine I watched the whole ninety minutes of that Chelsea Liverpool game, and at half time, I thought this could explode second half. Yeah, exactly. But nope. it didn't. MVP of the weekend must be, for me, I'm going to say Harry Kane because without those four assists, Human Son doesn't get the goals. It's as simple as that. Now, it takes a special type of player to score those goals, but it takes a special kind of striker to be that selfless, in my opinion. Very fair. No, I see, I see where you're coming from there. But, uh, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's Hong Min Son. He's a little sunny boy. We, we love him. Like, that's the Spurs mentality. The most likable man, the most likable man in football. Indeed, can't can't hate him at all. But yeah, definitely that that link up between him and Kane, just phenomenal that weekend. Just great to watch. Now there is one thing we're going to talk about very briefly. We won't talk too in depth about it, but the VAR controversies are back. It went the other way this weekend. The pendulum swung to the other side and said, "You loved VAR last weekend. Well, this weekend you hate it." Babe, <laughs> hey, that's the that's the premise of being a football fan. Oh, God. Week in, week out, change your opinions. It's a fickle game, and we are fickle fans. But the handball incidents, both in the Man United game and the Spurs game, were they handballs for you? Based, look, based on the new rules that they have established, they, are bo- they were all handballs by their new rules. But I think their new rules are ridiculous. If someone hammers a football at you, what are you going to do? It's going to hit your arm. You can't play football with your arms behind your back. Like, it's just not possible. And, you know, strikers have their arms out. Everyone's got their arms out. Like, it's just inevitable. There needs to be... I get if it's blocking a goal-scoring opportunity, fine. Like, obviously, you've got to make a thing of that. But some of them are just so ridiculous, just bouncing down from, like, a head to an arm. Because we had several this weekend, not just inside the Man United and Spurs games. I just... None of them seem intentional. No one's throwing their hand out. Like, the point of the handball rule was to stop stuff like hand of God, yeah. you know, it was to get rid of that nonsense, not, oh, I'm using my body as big as possible, kind of, you know, that is to take away that, and now it's like, if your arm's in any way, shape, or form near the ball, and it gets touched, that's it, game, and it's just, I don't know how you fix that, but still at the same time, it is, it is a bit of hand, pardon the pun. Look, for me, I think if, there has to be like a unilateral intent rule in football, and I don't think there is, right, if you mm. look at like a red card, and we spoke about this it being an equation of essentially intent. Is he looking at the ball? Is he looking at the player? Is he late? Does he try to recover? 
equals red, yellow, whatever. Yeah. I think if you use that methodology, you should apply that to handballs as well. Now, if you make yourself as big as possible with an attempt to stop, stop the ball in any capacity, it's a handball. If, and, and I think there's more of an argument for Matt Doherty's penalty mm. to be incorrectly called than there is Lindelof's. Lindelof's, look, I can kind of get the argument for it, but he's turning away from the player. He's running back to defend. His arm's up. Okay, I can sort of see the argument for that one. Doherty has literally got his hand on another player. Where's the intent there? Yeah. There isn't. The ball's bounced up, hit him in the hand. If you, if tell you what, you might be like, oh, no, 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 no. new rules, whatever. If it had been two two, or it had been three two, and yeah. you concede an equaliser, you'd have been kicking off. Yeah, of course I'd be kicking off. But again, I'm trying to look at it objectively, and I can tell that your pain is coming from that Lindelof moment. And I get it. Not but, really, because I, I, like I've said, I can see the argument yeah. for that one, but. That, that was the turning point in the game, right? United's yeah. still in it at 1-0, right? If you make an incorrect decision, it costs, the, it costs the other team. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And I'm, what I'm saying is there, yeah, at 5-1, you're like, well, yeah. But I guess, but, I, guess, I, guess, I guess my only point is, is if this is carried out consistently. If that happens again in another game and it doesn't get called up, that's when I'm starting to get annoyed. Because, you know, they're trying to implement something new. And like we know, when they implement a new ruling, everyone goes in like, hand over fist and it's like okay it has to be exactly like this but they've got to keep the consistency and i do get your point of oh i'm very like statistical about it because obviously we're well out in the lead it's not no trouble to us but at the same time like if that's the rule and that's how it's going to be going forward we just need to get used to it every season they add new rules and every season it's wishy-washy and and not enforced and is enforced and whatever it may be but it's frustrating mm. uh var definitely doesn't want to be the focal point of the weekend and luckily i don't think it was but if those happen in big pivotal games they will become the focal point again 100%. so we'll see there's always next weekend var can you get it right right for, for me at the moment it's one good weekend of var or one good game week of var one bad weekend i would have said that regardless of the lindelof penalty because i think the doherty penalty was incorrect as well we'll see now Let's get away from the trash of last weekend, Ian. It's time to talk about transfers. Oh, that was, that was smoothly delivered as well, I'm impressed. Nailed it. <laughs> there we go. So, transfers. Has it been an exciting week? Oh, for some other clubs, for Manchester United. Hell fucking no. Mm -hmm. So, I'll talk about Man the Manchester meandering, as I've put it here, thinking I'm some <laughs> sort of journalist. Alliteration. OP. <laughs> this what you do during the week is this all you hold on i literally to? I'll, i watch the weekend's games and i you see what i've said i've said these to you anyway i've said all this to you i literally go through and tell you what i'm quite thorough on this as well yeah 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 i know it. i love it obviously we briefly spoke about the potential of bail returning last week and mm -hmm. now returned and we've sort of touched on that anyway so i won't say too much i'll, I'll only let outline the details for anyone who doesn't know or is interested essentially tottenham have done a loan deal which could be extended if it goes well i think the total value is like 15 million pounds real madrid are paying 50 percent of his wages which is 600 grand a week you're paying him 300 grand a week i did hear rumors that he is injured at the moment and potentially cannot play for the first three weeks of the season yeah so it's, it's money well spent maybe not but there's, I think there's so many rumours flying around about him. There was a whole sitting out of the game as well, wasn't there? And him saying he requested to sit out of the game and all this kind of stuff. So, 
Go take him a pinch of salt. Yeah, well, let's right let's see next weekend. Let's see if he if he um, actually does play against Newcastle. Indeed. If he does, then we know it's all bullshit, right? Yeah. Indeed. So Bell returns. That's one of the pivotal headlines of this week. Here's quite a funny one. We spoke about the Chelsea game. Yeah. Literally a minute after Kepa conceded that mistake, uh, Fabrizio Romano, the god of all transfers, tweeted out that don't worry. Chelsea have signed a new keeper. It's just not been announced yet. His, and it's Mendy from Rennes for 22, 25 million pounds. Yeah. Frank Lampard has now since gone on to confirm that to be true as well. So Kepa is out. Mendy is in. But I thought it was quite funny that Fabrizio was like, <laughs> even this I know that's when, terrible. Yeah. Don't this worry, Chelsea fans. He is coming. The signing of the week for me. Yeah. Well, We'll speak about Liverpool. Liverpool have signed Thiago. And there's a reason I hadn't really spoken about Man United's interest in Thiago because mm. I never believed it was going to happen. I never believed it was concrete. So for I sure. never spoke about it. Liverpool have signed Thiago from Bayern Munich for £25 million, which is a steal. But again, it's because his contract's only got a year left on it and Bayern don't want to miss out on the cash. However, Bayern have allowed Liverpool to pay them in installments over five years of £5 million a year. What? Where, are these, where are these bargain bucking deals that United need? What the hell? I remember a couple of years ago where Arsenal bought Pepe, or last season rather, bought yeah. Pepe off Lille, and they were like, it's £75 million, paid over five seasons. And everyone's <laughs> like, what? Over five years? And like, yeah, well, obviously, he wants to go. We, we get the money in the long run. Crazy. We never yeah, get it. We never get that sort of deal. It's an absolute joke, but... Good business. They also very, very quickly after Liverpool emphatically said we don't have any money, were like, by the way, we're also buying Diego Yotta. And I was like, what? So they bought him for £35 million from Wolves. Yeah. But the tail end of that transfer and ties nicely into what I've got written down here is Wolves went, right, Yotta's not really essential to our plans. We don't need him. We're going to sell him and then we're going to go to Barcelona and buy Nelson Semedo. Another Portuguese player enters the Wolves arena. He's a quality right back. He's played at the highest level. He's good business. Just, and yeah, I'm envious. Solid. Good yeah. business, good price. Believe me, I love Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I'd have him at United. I, I would love the competition at right back there. He can assist them. He can score them. He can set them mm. up. He's played at the highest level. Great business. Great price. Fair enough. And just highlights, and I have written down here, Barcelona, and I agree with that. They are in real trouble and they are trying to have to offer yeah, those players they, they just don't want to get rid of. Obviously, today it was announced that Luis Suarez is definitely going to Atletico Madrid. Mm -hmm. Another headline one is that uh, in sort of reflection of that, Alvaro Morata is going from Atletico back to Juventus, where it didn't work out last time. So I'm sure it's definitely yep. going to work out this it's time. It's going to go so well. I don't know why they're buying him. I think, obviously, they just want depth for if Ronaldo can't carry the team. Bit of a confusing it's one just, for me. It's just backup, isn't it? Like we were saying, you just want another Look, player. Or yeah. No one's written. No, no big European club seems to be spending, right? No. The Premier League, which is rich with funds, seems to be spending, but everyone else seems to be offloading players and then getting in replacements rather than actually going. By the way, this is our primary target. This is where we need to improve the team. <sighs> Man United and <laughs> the Jane Sancho deal. So last week I said it was 65% on this deal. And the week before that I said it was 85% on this deal. Where are we at now? Where are we at? I am now at 40% that this deal is going to happen. Just because there's 12 days left. Yeah. How's it going to happen? If it's going to happen, 
I will tell you now, I will say that I am 0% this deal is going to happen next time we record the podcast if by Sunday night there has been no movement. Because Do you not think it's going to be a deadline day snap up? You, look, I don't see Dortmund going, yeah, by the way, you can have him on deadline day and we don't have a replacement. Simple as that. Yeah. Now, there were rumours coming out today and sort of Fabrizio Romano was speaking about it today and he was saying, listen, United still want Jaden Sancho. They're still waiting to see who blinks first, Dortmund or United. Guess what? It ain't going to be uh, Dortmund that blinks first. <laughs> it would definitely be Van United. And that Dortmund are looking at Ishmael Saar and Callum Hudson-Odoi as potential replacements for Jaden if you were to leave. However, you have to give them the time to do that. Don't really see it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's more realistic that we either loan in a shite player like Ivan Perisic, who's 31, so we go for a Tottenham move, except for Bale is a good player and Perisic is not, <laughs> or we end up going for someone like Callum Hudson-Odoi, who Frank yeah. Lampard doesn't rate, but we get charged out the arse for him because he's from a rival, or we go for Ishmael Saar, who again is a big risk. Now, United, and maybe while I'm on this, I've said this a couple of times, maybe while we're recording this podcast, United have agreed terms with Alex Tevez. Alex Tevez, United have agreed terms with him. Porto are willing to sell him. United are just haggling over like a couple of million pounds. And as as someone said this week, I heard them say, United would haggle in a pound shop down to 80p if they could. It's true. So it looks likely, I would say, I'm probably about 80% Tellers comes to United at the moment. PSG are sniffing round. They've got an injury, but United are offering him a very lucrative package. Well, I mean, and on the PSG front, what do you think of the Alley rumours? Listen, I think Dele Alley has just got the wrong manager at the club. I I think sometimes that happens, right? I think sometimes it's a cut of a jib thing. It's a culture thing. You have a manager that doesn't like you, that doesn't rate you, doesn't like your work ethic, whatever it is, they want to move you on. It might be good for Dali Ali to move on. How many times can you lose a semi-final, a final at a club and think, Joe you know what, I'm probably not going to win it here. Or I'm at least not going to be instrumental in it here. I yeah. think it was something like you lost eight, before you got to the Champions League final, you had lost eight back-to-back semi-finals. Yep. I'm not one to talk because United lost three this season. Mm-hmm. However, some of those boys have already won trophies. No one at Spurs has won an English trophy. Oh. Hasn't happened. And it creates a mentality thing. So maybe it would do Ali a world of good to go and sit on the bench at PSG and claim his winner's medal at the end of the season in League One. I think, do you know what? I do know what it's like to win. Yeah. And you can take that and move on elsewhere. Problem is, you go to a club like PSG, they put you on extortionately high wages, they put an extortionately high fee on you, so you either have to run the contract down. And he's no spring chicken. He's 25 now, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you sign a one. sign a five five year deal with PSG. So you're there till you're thirty. I guess uh, it's not too bad. It's it's Paris. England's not that far away. But you know you're not starting for PSG, Deli Ali. If no. you're going to go somewhere, go somewhere you're going to be a starter at least. In absolutely outrageous transfer talk. I don't know if you heard about this, but apparently, and Fabrizio Romano has spoken about this. If Ali goes, Mourinho wants Jesse Lingard. Have him. Have him. Take him. I'll give him to you for free. He is so past it, it's unbelievable when he's only 27. Mourinho... Mourinho, Yeah, they've got the connection, haven't they? Mourinho rates his work ethic. And that's the thing. Jesse Lingard does give it all, even if it's shit. But the problem is, and if you'd watched the All or Nothing documentary and you would see, Dalielli does not give it all in the training ground. He does not give it all on the pitch. 
And when things don't go his way, he's got the wrong mentality and the wrong temper. Oh, we, we've always known that about Dele Alli. Like, that was day one. We knew that's who he was. But when he turns up, he turns up. Yeah, but that's becoming few and far between. That's now, because, but I think he hasn't got that support. And I think, like you're saying, he hasn't won anything in a long time. And when you compound that with uh, England's World Cup run, like, it's just disheartening and it's heartbreaking. So I can fully feel where he's at, but then you flip the coin and Kane went for it all and Kane's still there every day of the week being the team player that he is. Yeah, but Kane's a, Kane doesn't have a temperament problem. That's, that's the difference. Exactly. Kane, like I said, it takes a special kind of striker to be a selfless striker and Kane is that. Dali Ali oh, is not selfless. Right? Dali Ali will shoot 99 times out of 100 before he passes the ball. This is what's wrong with Dali Ali. Now, if those balls go in 89 times, you're like, well, 10 times he missed. It doesn't matter. From exactly. Me, they're going in three times. Uh, the other 96 times, he's missing. Mm. And, and by proxy, Spurs are missing out on goals, assists, points. I think, I don't want to call him a bad egg. I think Mourinho's very good at isolating players. And not, 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 I'm not saying that in the sense of I think it's a good trait. I think he's very yeah. good at isolating. If someone, he says in the Spurs documentary, if you know that I don't think you're good enough, I won't have to tell you, you will know. Yeah. And if that's the sort of manager you are, it's like you're either in the club or you're out of the club. The club's burnt down. Your membership's run out. You'll never get your, your membership back. And he, Mourinho's cut up in front of your face and thrown over his shoulder. That's the sort of mentality that he brings to a club. And I guess you could say it's like a mental weakness, but I guess you have to have a real mental fortitude to combat that. Problem is, when you go to like a top six club, you get this sort of you can't escape thing. So mm. as we know, Mourinho doesn't really rate in Dombele. And he's your club record transfer. Yeah. Problematic for Daniel Levy. Problematic for Ndombele. Mm. And problematic for Mourinho. Because if you get rid of him, the fans are pissed off. If you get rid of him, Levy's pissed off. Because he ain't getting 65 million quid back for him. No. But if he stays, Mourinho's pissed off. Yeah. Maybe he stays, Mourinho tries to work him into his plan, and you lose someone like Ali. Yeah, I, I could definitely see it happening. I, I, I felt it was quite fair founding to the rumours. I can definitely see it happening. And, you know, Delhi's been great for the club, but I think you hit nail on the head with that sort of, you know, hasn't won anything yet, and it probably would do him a world of good to go away and finally get a medal around his neck or something. Get a I bit think... of silverware. Well, I'd much rather that silverware be with Spurs. Because it'd be nice to see what that looks like. Um, I think you'll win a trophy this season. I do. Uh, what I would say on Dali Ali's front, I think it's quite damning when a manager comes out in a press uh, press conference before a game and says that he doesn't think you're good enough. That's why you're not playing. Hmm. That is like if you stay, you'll never play. So you might as well go. Yeah. That's... For me, it's as simple as that. Do you want to play football or do you want to claim your paycheck? If you go to PSG for a relatively cheap uh, transfer fee, they'll probably pay you shit loads of money. So if you don't want to play football, at least go and get paid for it, mate. It's true. Those are my two cents on transfers this week. Will United do any business? Hell no. So now, Ian, this is a bit of a, an awkward one, really, because obviously this is your man, but the brave showcase this week, ladies and gentlemen, is on Sun Hyun Min. One and only. The one and only. The most likable man in football, I've written down. And I agree with that. I yeah, think objectively, 
most neutrals would say Hyunmin Sun is the most likable man in football for his on the pitch presence, for his interview presence, for the fact that he speaks three languages. Mm-hmm. He speaks fluent Korean, German, and English. I have done gone away and done some research. He's a very interesting character. I was just going to say on that, on that likability front, I always remember um, you know when Larice got annoyed at him, and nobody nobody could understand how you could ever be aggressive towards Son. Like everyone went instantly against Larice. It's like how do you get angry at that guy? Well, it's funny you should say that because they do cover that in the All or Nothing documentary, and you do actually I, see. I you do see them go into the dressing room, and Son is quite argumentative. I think part and parcel Spurs' attitude last season and on-field breakdowns oh, yeah. were, were fueled by Mourinho's uh, attempts to inject some nastiness into the side because he mm. believes that to be a winner you must be nasty. That you cannot be, yeah, yeah, yeah. you cannot win without being nasty. As he says, you must be insert swear word for 90 minutes and you must be clever insert swear words for 90 minutes now i usually would swear but that's that particular swear word he used is very very vulgar but yeah let's get let's get on to the positives let's pull away from those negatives listen every career has positives and negatives but human song is very interesting because i will start by saying i feel that objectively that human song is probably the best asian footballer that's ever played the game Oh, yeah. I would have to totally agree with that. Now, obviously, you could put people like Honda up there, Nakata up there. When we talk about the sort of things that he's achieved, you will see that it is the case. He doesn't really fit the mould of any one position, I would say, Hyun Min Son. He's quite tall, statistically, for a South Korean. He has a great physicality about him. For someone so big and so physical, he's incredibly fast. He's like electric. Whenever I watch him go, I'm like, man, that guy can run. In particular, with the Burnley goal last season, where he did like seven players, ran to the end of the pitch, got the goal of the season against Burnley. He's just, he's electric. Because I think he has the X factor that Bale had. I, I rate him so highly. And yeah. I think Kane has it as well. But obviously, can you imagine the, the damage that Harry Kane would do if he had human on his pace? My God. Now, I was sitting in a bar at the end of a pier, Pier 39 in San Francisco. And I was watching middle of the day, eating some garlic fries with my friend Miguel, watching Man City Spurs. There was no way in a million years you guys should have won that tie. Not not the first tie and not the tie overall. Mm-hmm. But Hyunmin Son was the X factor. 100% agree. He scored three goals in those two games and he took you through to the semi-final. Now, obviously, after that, He'd done his part. Other people took over, like Lucas Moura. But it's always, I don't know, it's like one of those things, of course it's Son. Of course it is, because <laughs> he's so ridiculous. He is, a, he is the definition for me of a big game player. 100%. He turns up in big games. In, and he turns up in small games as well. But he will go through periods in his career where he doesn't score as much. But he is an electric dynamic player that is frightening for any team whenever united play spurs i'm like i'm less worried about harry kane i'm more worried about human son because not only does he assist but he not only does he create but he scores as well so again we're we're blessed this week because this footballer has a beautiful narrative to his career yeah that's what we want korean youth in seoul he started out like many of us do youth academy his father was actually a footballer 
but only for the Korea, South Korean B team internationally. So I don't want to discredit him, but nothing spectacular, but he was still part of the game and he later went on to become a manager. As we all know, historically, very few players from South Korea or Asia in, gen- in general managed to succeed in European football. It's quite rare. Yeah. But such was the conviction of Hyun Son that <laughs> there's a funny little anecdote. He was so desperate to be a success in European football, or at least play, that he used to watch German versions of SpongeBob SquarePants, and that is how he learned to fluently speak German. That is true. But that is, I mean, that just epitomizes him as a person, I think. That work ethic, that friendliness, and that innocence, like that, that to me is song. That makes he, complete sense. He wants to succeed. Right? He wants yeah. to succeed, and he does lay it all out on the pitch. So he went to Hamburg and started playing. They, they, at the time, Hamburg were quite, I, I don't want to say bad, but they were low down in terms of um, their Bundesliga status. So he went there at a youth level. He played for the second team, but in their second sort of affiliate team, he played six, he got six appearances and he scored one goal. He then made his transition at 18 to the senior team, Hamburg S- uh, SV, and he made 73 appearances for them and scored 20 goals. That's pretty good. He actually scored a pivotal goal when he came for them to make sure they didn't get relegated from the Bundesliga. You'd think, oh, is that enough for the Premier League to finally look over and go, right, is this something? Is there something there? Do we want to have a look? No. So... And I'm, apo- I'm apologising now, but I couldn't resist writing Leverkusen because he went to buy a Leverkusen. <laughs> I just had to do it. My, I couldn't, my hand started moving on its own. It was freaky. Buy a Leverkusen went, well, he looks like a good talent in the Bundesliga. They bought him for a measly £8 million, which at the time, Ian, very surprising to me, yeah. was a club record fee for buy, buy a Leverkusen, which, sounds oh, a bit, okay. which does sound a bit mental, doesn't it? Yeah. Like clearly knew how to do business. We've all been doing it wrong. If that's if that's a club record, Bundesliga teams seem to sort of help each other out in a way. You know, you yeah. see a lot of players going from Dortmund to Bayern and then back to Dortmund when their career sort of comes to the end. It's a bit of a weird dynamic. Doesn't really happen as much over here. Guess we don't. Guess we care more. <laughs> rivalries. But I think he, that's one way, or we're just not as friendly. Maybe we're definitely abrasive. Hyun Min Son went to Bayer Leverkusen. And he made 62 appearances and scored 21 goals. It's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. That's a great return. You know, look at their stats. You think they're absolutely great. And to be honest, when, when you analyse the Spurs stats, they don't look as, as flattering. But you've got to remember, the, the Bundesliga, in my opinion, and in many people's opinion, isn't as competitive as the Premier League. Mm-hmm. He did well at Bayer Leverkusen. Obviously, they didn't win a title. He played in a couple of Champions League qualifying games. He made sure they qualified for the Champions League, but then they didn't actually qualify for the qualifying stages. So... He had a taste of Europe, the European dream that he wanted. Let me test your knowledge on this, since you're a Spurs fan. How much did you buy Hyun Song for? Oh, God, I can't remember. I, I want to put it at sort of... I don't think we spent too much. I want to put it like, I don't know, 17 million? You're not far off. You bought Hyun Song for 30 million euros, which is at the time was 22 million pounds. Okay. So his career started in 2010, and in the five years in Germany... He then moved to the Premier League, where he's been since for another five years. It wasn't all hunky-dory when he joined Tottenham Hotspur. He played a couple of games. It wasn't that great. He 
He rotated in. I didn't know this, but the end of the first season at Spurs, apparently Human Son actually asked to leave Spurs oh, because really? of game time. And Pochettino said, no, I want you to stay and fight for your place. And Human Son did. And for your, let's call them golden years, Ian, even though you didn't win a trophy. <laughs> they were the best times. Don't worry, I know when they were good. For Spurs, golden years under Pochettino, Human Son definitely created an issue with selection because you did have a selection issue there was a lot of teams that were going a lot of players that were coming in the team going out the team Sun was coming in you had lots of different setups you brought in Lucas Mora you brought in Eric Le- well you had Eric Lamella already how you fit him in Ericsson Son can play as a cam but you can also play on the right and the left he's a very good squad player to have but I think he struggled with the fact that he didn't want to be a squad player, he wanted to be a starter. But because he was so versatile, you could see the value in Pochettino going, well, Mm. hang on, I can play you anywhere in the top three, in the front (laughs) three. So you might as well rotate in and out. But, you know, players don't want that. There's a couple of accolades we'll we'll come back to, but we'll come back to his time at Spurs because I I briefly want to talk about his exploits with uh, South Korea. Again, we have a little bit of a... God, even more so than Salah. Human Son is like a national treasure in South Korea. Oh mate, he's he's migrated that fandom to here. Like that is what packs out our Spurs stadium these days. Well, back in the day when we were allowed to be at the stadium was the Koreans. Mm. Like well, they, he brought it with him. As far as I can tell, it goes K pop, human song, in terms of like national popularity. Yeah. If you watch the All or Nothing documentary, they they literally wait outside the stadium for him, wait outside the training ground for him. They're everywhere. They want autographs. And he's so humble about it. In fact, it kind of gave me the vibe that he didn't like it very much. But, right. but not because he w- wasn't grateful, but because he's just like, well, listen, I'm a footballer like everyone else. But obviously because he's from a nation which has been historically so irrelevant in terms of soccer. Yeah. And that's what they would call it suddenly be like, oh, well, he plays for like a big club like Spurs and he scores goals. I mean, listen, he is the only Asian man to score over 50 goals in the Premier League. And he is the only Asian player. He is the highest scoring Asian player in the Premier League. You know, so he is a big deal in terms of the world mm. of football. You know, 50, 50 goals, well, I could go, <laughs> Martial has 50 goals in the Premier League. Marcus Rashford's 22 and he has 42, 44 goals in the Premier League. But when you're from a nation which historically has been very prolific at football, it takes a special kind of player to break the mold. Like look at Pulisic at Chelsea. Yeah. We're talking about potentially he could be the greatest American player ever. And that, you never hear that about English players because there's been so many good ones. Yeah. When you come from a nation which is underfunded, underscouted, and doesn't have the huge global presence in the football community it's harder to break in the game. So believe me, Rashford worked his way to the top, but Hyunmin Son built his way to the top. I can tell you that now. And you could see another 20 years, you couldn't see an Asian player be as prolific as Hyunmin Son. No. Or Christian Pulisic. That's my point. So you know that you've got to have that special X factor, that special conviction. Hyunmin Son is not only a Premier League footballer and the top scoring Asian Premier League player of all time. He is an Olympian. He played for... Uh, South Korea at the Olympic Games. Okay. They unfortunately crashed out in the quarterfinals, but he did score two goals for them. He is a World Cup goal scorer. He scored twice at the World Cup. And do you remember what team he 
famously knocked out. Well, they were already knocked out, but he definitely put the stamp on that. He went, look, first class, see you later, go back home. Adios. This game was phenomenal. Well, I don't, he, I don't think he wouldn't have said adios, though, would he? I think it would be more along the lines of Alvida saying. Yeah, well, he would have said Alvida saying because the, the people he sent home definitely would have understood him because he was the guy that sent the Germans home. Remember? Neuer bumped, yeah, bombed up the I pitch. I remember it. Over the top. At, run down the pitch, tap it in. That's it. Bye-bye, Germany. Your World Cup dream's done. I was, I, I was watching that game at work. And honestly... There was only two football fans, because I worked for MTV, obviously not a big place for football fans to be working. There was only two of us rooted to the screen, like, this cannot be happening. I was mental, this right? is not possible. Germany are being knocked out by South Korea, and I couldn't have been happier when Sun put a goal in. Mm. Couldn't have been happier. The Champions Curse is definitely a thing, but to score against a team like that at the World Cup is truly something, a special moment. Yes. And we, yeah. and I, like you, was watching it at work with everyone else in my office. We were all football fans. And even my MD at the time stood up and said, we have to watch this because Germany are about to be knocked out it's by South Korea. just insane. Chaos, really, really, really crazy. Not only has he knocked Germany out of the World Cup, obviously South Korea didn't do much better after that point, but still. He is Olympian. And he's won the Asian Games two times, and he's been a runner-up once. For South Korea, he has scored 26 goals and 86 appearances. That's pretty good. Again, like mm. I said, when they play teams who are much higher level than them, it's always going to be tougher. Yeah. But to do it against the, at a World Cup with those sort of things will always be a special moment for us. Incredible. And In terms of personal accolades, he's got quite a few because of his nationality. Right? Yeah. So he's the only player to win Premier League, the only Asian player to win Premier League goal of the season. He's the only Asian player to win Premier League player of the month ever. Even that's a bit mental. It is mad. But he's the only he's the only Asian player to win it two two months in a row. And again, he's the only Asian player to win it twice. And as as we called him at the time, as many FIFA <laughs> players did when he won that, Sonaldo, because he does have that Ronaldo. It was insane, yeah. Him. Unfortunately, unlike Mohamed Salah, I can't say that Jimenez has won any trophies because he hasn't. However, mm -hmm. he's been to a Champions League final. He's played mm -hmm. in a Champions League quarterfinal where his individual three goals over two legs put Spurs through against Man City, who did everything in their power in that game to ensure that they got through. Well, I think you're uh, missing the most important accolade to all Spurs fan. Was off the back of that World Cup where he was pardoned from his military service. We, as fans, could not have been happier because mm -hmm. that was so best, and we were like, we're going to lose him for, like, what was it, eight months to a year or something he would have been gone? Yeah, see, I actually did some more research into that, and while he was exempted from the full military service, there was, like, a little bit of fine print there. Oh, okay. He is exempt from the full military service. However, he had to complete three weeks uh, this during the pandemic. So he right. had to fly back to Korea, do two weeks of quarantine, and then he did a three-week service uh, with Korea, and now he's come back, and that's counted as his military service. I'll take it. I'll so take it. While, while everyone was quick to put the headline out there of military exemption, what it actually yeah. meant was a military reduction. So hmm. he still had to serve. Do you know what? As a neutral, I'm great, grateful that he didn't have to serve, because if you went, human son, you now have to come in your peak years, in your prime years... 
and do two years military service and then go back to the Premier League, that is absolutely devastating. It's just kind of been awful. It's awful. It's awful for neutrals. It's awful for us because, look, he's 28. Human Song could be part of the Premier League 100 club. I mean, I can't guarantee yeah. it, but already he's this season... He's working on it. He's always consistent, right? And we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll delve into his stats a little bit. So, in terms of the Premier League, he has, scored, he has made 162 appearances for Tottenham Hotspur. He has scored 57 goals. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. And he's got 29 assists. He's won goal of the month twice, as we spoke about. He's won player of the month twice. And he's won one goal of the season, which was last season against Burnley, which was an out- absolutely outrageous Absolutely goal. phenomenal. Watch it on repeat. It's just it's the best. And look, this, this will be interesting for you here because I've got their individual season uh, points here. So, All right, yeah. Spurs, in his first season for Spurs, he scored four goals. He made 28 starting appearances and he made 15, uh, and 15 of those, oh, sorry, he made 28 appearances and 15 of those were on the, off the bench, right? Okay. The second season, he made 34 appearances for Tottenham, 11 appearances as a sub, but he scored 14 goals. The following season, 37 appearances for Spurs, 10 as a sub, 12 goals. The following season, 31 appearances for Spurs, 8 as a substitute, 12 goals. The following season, 30 appearances, two as a substitute, goals 11. Mm. There is a consistency to Human Song's game and also adds value to the argument I made that there is a value to playing him as a rotation player because even if you rotate him in and out of the squad when you think he's fit, he still always delivers 14, 12, yeah. 12, That's 11. Solid. But I think, I think an interesting thing, and I think this is kind of like a Spurs sort of fan's opinion of him, is he became the tournament player for us. Oh, yeah. Like that is when he started popping up, and I think that's where he really hit the Spurs radar was when he was playing in the tournaments. Wherever it was Europa or it was Championship, we, he was the one we were looking out for, and I think that's when he started to get most of his plays, and that's when he started bringing that into the Premiership, and I think that's what really put him in the, the mind's eye of Spurs fans was what he was showing on the international stage. No, I completely agree. And I think, and I said to you in this podcast today, I think Human Son is a good, is a big game player. Yeah. I think he, but I think he's a consistent player, but I think if you put a multiplier on him, it'd be like times three in a big game. He yeah. just turns up. He has that X factor. He has that threat factor. He can bang him in. And I'm not talking about tap-ins. I'm talking about he scores worldies. A lot of the time, he scores worldies. I remember he scored an outrageous goal against West Ham last season. Now, the Burnley goal won goal of the season for a different reason, but that West Ham goal was insane. Yeah. And that's why I get a Bale-esque vibe from him. I just no, do. I, I can see where you're coming from now. I can see where you're coming from. You know, and it's not because they have to be archetypes of the same player, but he, how many times have he, has he dragged you out of the mud? So many times. So often, so often. And look, this season already, two appearances, four goals. Maybe this is the season where Hyun Son finally gets 20 goals. Indeed. Well... I guess, is he going to do it next week? That's the thing. And I think that will nicely move us into our predictions, right? Listen, listen look, if, if there are any team that he could score number four against, it would definitely be Newcastle. So, you know, he could, go, he could be off to an absolute storm this Premier League season. But for me, just to put a, like a wrapper... Go on, put the ribbon on. Put the ribbon on. I think Human Son is an exceptionally talented footballer. I think he's a generational talent for Asia. I think he is the most likable man of football. And I think that when you have 
someone and we didn't really speak about it during this showcase but when you have someone who was involved in the andre gomez incident where andre gomez snapped his ankle and human son was involved in the build-up to that when someone is that devastated and that empathic that they've hurt someone else i think that is a testament to who they are as a player not only is human son an exceptionally talented footballer but for me he is an exceptional human being that, that, that's, that, I'm going to fall asleep to that tonight. Uh, that's what I want to hear. I agree. Uh, listen, legitimately, that is how I feel. I think, yeah, he's an incredible player and an incredible human being. And I'm so proud to have him at the club. And what he's doing for his nation and for the club it just makes me so happy. When you look to the sport and you want to look for ambassadors for it, he is, he is the pinnacle of it. Him, 100%. Marcus Rashford, and that's not me saying it just to get United players. No, I'm with, you. I'm with you on Rashford. Like What he's done this year and what he's done in the previous years is phenomenal. I it's just think fantastic. When you look to the model professionals, you want to see them, right? Mm. And, very, and you, occasionally you get the bad boys of the sport like Beckham and Zlatan and they're all flash and we're all style over suddens. But when you look to someone and go, that's what every footballer should be, Human Son is in the conversation, and I think that is a testament to his character. And and that's me drawing a line under that showcase. As messy as it may have been and could have been, Human Son is class. And as we always say, you know, form is temporary, but class is permanent. Mate, the sound bites this episode—they're everywhere. Yeah, you're on it. If you <laughs> want to tease this out, I'm just gonna—I just let you go. You're just running. Oh let this boy go. My God. Been wound up about Man United all night, and now he's off and he's rolling. Yeah. Well, listen. It's easier to be uh, take. It's easier to take joy in the other areas of football when, when your club is doing so shite. But we'll move on. So to uh, this weekend now. I haven't tallied these up because I wanted to tally them up with you today, Ian. Oh, okay, okay. Because okay. I, I thought that, that that took an element of fun out of it last week. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just know I called them all wrong. I think I got them all wrong. I, right. put, I put Spurs to draw or lose. And I think you edged me out. You did a Price is Right $1 more on everything. Listen, that's that's the, the tactical play. For the Everton-West Brom game, you went... 2-1 uh, Everton, so you were right, so you get your one point for the correct result. I went 2-0, so I was right, but none of us got the correct scoreline. Yeah. So that's a point apiece. Leeds versus Fulham, I went 3-1, you went 3-0, so that's another point each. So that's 2-2. Two and two. Arsenal-West Ham, I went 3-0, you went 4-0. Arsenal was terrible, and we both just get the point. But Arsenal did win, that's all that matters, so that's three Please. points apiece. Southampton Spurs, you didn't back your own side and you've now lost out. So that's no point for you. You believe Southampton were going to beat Spurs 2-1. Oh, well, you couldn't have calculated a 4-1 win. Shut up. It doesn't happen. You can't no. calculate that. No, but I didn't put Spurs to win. I thought you were going to draw. So I missed out on the point as well. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> now, neither of us backed Brighton and Brighton won. I oh, know, eggs on our face. I backed on, Brian boys. a little bit more than you. I put a 2-2 draw. <laughs> but you said 2-0 Newcastle. So egg on face, Harley Ian in the mud. There we go. Now, I do get a point here. <laughs> you went Chelsea 2, Liverpool 2, and I went Chelsea 2, Liverpool 3. There you go, Listen, there's that price is right. We have to go back to our initial first week predictions because we predicted the Man City stuff. I went for Man City to win. You went for Wolves to win. So that's an extra point for me. We both went for Man United to win. We're both idiots and we both got egg on our face. 
that's five free for me this weekend. Uh, I know you beat me in the fantasy league this weekend on points, oh, but I'm yeah. still ahead of you because I put Harry Kane in my team. Yeah, well, you you got lucky with the old Salah, and then I captain Son, which mm. I got a lot of abuse for. That that was big boy plays. That's all I'm saying. That was big PP moves. That was genius. When I no, saw you I, had both Kane and Son in your team, I was like, my god, this guy is. Give me the lottery numbers tomorrow. You say it like that, but to me, it's pure dumb luck. I went, what footballers do I like? I like Kane. I like Son. Obviously, they're going to be in my team. Who am I going to captain? I'm going to captain the nicest guy in the world. That's all it was. No tactician. I am not that person. That's absurd to me, considering that you backed them to lose. Yeah. Welcome to the world of my logic. This is how we work as Spurs fans. Listen, you do you, Ian, at the end of the day. But <laughs> you got points. That's all that matters. Now, look, I put him in someone in my team this weekend, so I bet he doesn't score. Oh, he ain't doing that, nothing. That's just the way it is. Right, okay, so. Here we go. Next week. Two this week. First game is Brighton versus Manchester United at Brighton. I'm going to go 2-1 Brighton. Oh, God. That would be, like, literally the worst thing for Man United. I'm going to go 3-1 United because I can never bet against United. There will never be a prediction on this on this show, on this podcast, where I don't back United. Even if it's we've got Barcelona and our entire first team's got COVID, I'll still say 1-0 <laughs> United. Because if there's a chance, there's a chance. I don't want to talk too much about the game. I think if we do win, it will be poor. And I yeah. think if, if Brighton win, we will still be poor. Regardless, I think United are not where they need to be. If United were to sign Alex Tellers in the next couple of days, maybe that would be a, a, an interesting factor, but we will see. Then we've got a really interesting game, and I actually am looking forward to this one. Okay. Got Crystal Palace, who have six points, and Everton, who have six points, at Palace. Now, Ooh. here's the real test of this new Everton team. Everyone's raving yeah. about them. Palace are on form. What, what, what do you think is going to happen? I'll go, I'll go first on this one. Go on, you pick it. I think Everton are going to win. Okay. I think it's going to be 2-1 Everton. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think 1-0 I think Palace. Oh, my God. But I'm going to add a, little, add a little spice to that, and I reckon that actually going to score two and one's going to be disallowed because that feels like um, oh, Palace damn. record at the moment. Listen, if you get that, I'll give you, an extra, I'll give you 10 extra bonus points. <laughs> I put a little uh, a parentheses two next to it. Yeah, right. Then we've got West Brom, Chelsea. Um, now listen, I I think this could be. Depends if Chelsea bounce. If Chelsea bounce back, I think this could be a big score. A slaughtering. Um, I'm I'm going to play it safe and put it at two 0 I don't think Chelsea are going to come out all guns blazing. I think they're going to play around with their team a bit and try and figure some stuff out. Okay, I'm going to go four one Chelsea. Okay, give West Brom a goal. Oh yeah, Kepa's in goal. Keep going. Kepa might be in goal. We don't know if Mendy's going to oh, play. Yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, I don't know if you saw the free kick that West Brom scored, but ow. Oh, it was wow. <laughs> what a free kick. If, if All it takes is a little bit of a set piece. Sometimes you get yeah. it. So for me, I think it's worth Price is writing it. So Burnley, Southampton. See, at the start of the season, I would have said Southampton straight away. Yeah. Right. Danny Ings has obviously scored two goals anyway. It looks like he's he's still got that clinical ability from last <laughs> season but I don't know what it is about Southampton but they're just like definitively average all of a sudden yeah you know and I think obviously when you get on a good run of form like you did post lockdown they sort of roll into it. it's like a snowball effect right but now the snowball's stopped and it's melted away it's kind of like are you going to recapture that form or are we going to have patches of brilliance again yeah <sighs> listen I think I think 2-2 two, two. 
I'm I'm gonna go three one Southampton. Three one Southampton. I think they right. still got a little. I think they got a little bit of magic left in them. Okay, we'll see. Sheffield United versus Leeds. Sheffield can't catch a break. Leeds have won one game, but they look defensively shaky. I will say I did watch the Sheffield Aston Villa game the other day, and mm. I think that Sheffield did really well to dig in and yeah. not and not and only concede one when they got a red card against Villa. Yeah, they've got some grit about them. What do you think? Um, I'm gonna go because I just think Leeds are on a rampage. So I'm thinking five two Leeds. Five two Leeds. Wow. I'm going to go 3-3. Wow, okay. See, I think Leeds are always going to have high-scoring games. I think Leeds, because they press so much and relentlessly, there is a risk factor that they concede a lot. So, like I said earlier, I think it would be a case of Leeds will always be intending to outscore their opponents Mm -hmm. rather than dominate, score, and kill the game. Practically beat them and all that, yeah. So then we've got Spurs versus Newcastle. Listen, if Newcastle played the way they have a day, you should smash them. So what are you thinking? What are you saying? I'm thinking 3-0 Spurs. I'm going to take one off that and go 2-0 Spurs. 2-0 Spurs. All right. Well, you've backed Spurs this week, so we know what that means, Ian. They're losing. Exactly. This is a, Plus, it's against my brother's team. So I really need <laughs> Of to course. Win. Yeah, Glenn. Okay, so Man City. I, I, I watched the Man City Wolves game. Man City look a little bit tired. I know they yeah. won. If, if Wolves had taken their chances, it could have been a draw. Man City, Leicester. Leicester always have this sort of like X factor about them when they play City. Like there is a mm. chance. I think last season they actually beat City. Yeah. So mm. you have to go first. Who do you want to go for? I'm going to go 3 1 Leicester. Leicester? At yeah. City? You're absolutely yeah. mad. Yeah. Come on, we've got, we got to make it tasty. I'm going 2-0-C. Ah, we'll see. Well, that is tasty because we've got a different opinion. Indeed, it'll make it interesting. The next game, West Ham Wolves. Wolves have obviously lost now. Yeah. West Ham looks shite. Okay, I reckon it's going to be 3-1 Wolves. I'm going to go 2-2. 2-2. West Ham's first point of the season on the cards. Yeah, go on, let them have it. Right, and then the Monday night games are... Fulham, Aston Villa. Jeez. Terrible game. 1-0 Aston Villa. 1-0 Aston Villa. All right. And I'm going... 2-1 Fulham. Because I think Fulham showed some heart the other night. Yeah, they look like they were finding their feet a bit more. But I just think... I just think they're quite similar-paced teams. So I just don't think too much is going to happen. If Grealish is on form, then they obviously they potentially could do something. It just depends. Yeah. So, the game of the weekend for me, at least, I don't want to hype it up too much like we did Chelsea, but I will yeah. say Liverpool Arsenal. It's at Anfield. Liverpool have got two wins on the trot. They look like they have that champions rubber, the green, that grit, that determination, the get the victory, depending on whether they play exceptionally well, average or whatever. Arsenal again, two wins. Have last time two last the last two times they've played Liverpool have beaten Liverpool. Mm. Now, obviously, we had a factor of complacency, and Liverpool fans, as Liverpool fans would say, the Community Shield isn't a real cap, so we weren't trying. Whatever, I think Arteta has figured out a way mm. to beat them. In my opinion, well, I'm just going to throw a little uh, inside knowledge your way. 
uh, at the weekend, my brother came over and we went for a quick walk. And who did we spot? But Hexa Bellerin. No way, really? Yeah, I didn't notice. And my brother wants me to make a big deal out of it. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And he was like, that's Hexa Bellerin. I was like, okay, cool. But I didn't hear him say Bellerin. I just heard him say Hexa. I was like, I don't care, man. All right. Okay. He said, that's Hexa Bellerin. I was like, okay. So I shot him. I shot him some shade, threw some voodoo his way. Yeah, so yeah. I think Arsenal are going to lose for sure. Like, oh, okay, right. Okay, so I get, I get to go first. I think it's going to be 2-1 Arsenal. I'm going for it. Nah, I'm... You know what? I'm going to flip it on its head. 2-1. 2-1 Liverpool. Yeah. Listen, there used to be a time where I would say this victory is guaranteed. Arsenal always get dinged <laughs> by Liverpool. It always happens. I, I, I believe yeah. there were some outrageous scorelines in recent years where it'd be like five nils, four nils, three ones, five twos, whatever it may be. As much as it pains me to admit it, I think obviously with his tutelage under Guardiola, I think there's something about Arteta. I think for sure. I think he's got that little bit of managerial magic. I think he reads the game well. I think if he had better players, I'd be more worried about Arsenal mm. as a threat. Yeah. But right now, with their limited finance and stuff, I still reckon if he digs in, listen, he's used an effective tactic against Liverpool recently, which has been dig in, counter. And Liverpool mm. fell for it both times. If Aubameyang's on form, if Lacazette's on form, and their defensive line can hold up, never say never. That's all Indeed. I'm saying. Very true. Right. Well, I guess that ends another week on the Brace Yourself podcast. We yeah. still haven't managed to uh, condense it as much as we like in terms of time. However, I feel like we just enjoyed talking about football a bit too much tonight, to be honest, even though yeah. I wasn't expecting that at the start of the podcast because inside I'm dead. I'm dying. I've always been dying. Since Saturday, I've been perpetually dying each day. That's, that's, that's the way of football, right? And then comes the weekend and you're alive again. For if minute. United lose to Brighton, <laughs> I'll be dead on the next podcast. Guys, the po- podcast is over. That was it. We, we got uh, and listen, Lewis, if you listen to this far, he's my Brighton fan friend. If you beat us, I'm blocking you on Facebook. Just so you know that. I cannot take the abuse. No, what? If he win, if he win, if they win, I want a soundbite from Lewis. I want a tasty baby. <laughs> I want it in there. <laughs> if they beat us, I'm becoming a nomad. You never find me again. It's as simple, it's simple as that. I'll, you know that old Channel Four show where they'd be like, they try to hunt down people. Oh. And off <laughs> That'd be me. You'll never find me. My credit cards are cut up. I'm gone because there is no chance in hell I can take it. My heart can't take it for another week. I, I, <laughs> I gritted my teeth last week. I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to bite. But when yeah. you lose that emphatically, it's hard to maintain. Well, well, well everyone, if, if we lose Harley next week, I promise to do my best on this podcast and play both sides of the coin. Listen, if, if I have to say pain again next week, it's just going to be the end of my life, really, yeah. in terms of I, I mean, football. I, I tell you what, I promise you, I'm sitting here recording this in a Man United shirt right now. If we lose, I will not be wearing this next week. That, that, that it, I won't, because it feels heavy today. You know, heavy is the head that wears the crown or whatever yeah. it correctly or incorrectly said. That's how it feels today. It feels shite to be a Man United fan today. But who knows? Maybe on Sunday I'm like, we're going to win the league. <laughs> it's just, it, that's the way it goes. But thank you, listeners. We love a tangent and we love you. Anyone who's listened this far, we really appreciate it. We will be back next week with another Brace Showcase. Who's it going to be? Hopefully this week it's Jay Rodriguez. Uh-huh. I've been Harley. He's been Ian. And we will catch you next time. Hold on, I'm going to give you a little selfless plug. Where else can they catch you, Harley? You can catch me on twitch.tv slash sonofrachel. That is S-O-N-O-F-R-A-C-H-E-L. 
I will be streaming FIFA on there religiously from the 6th of October. Right now, we're just in a variety transitional period. So if you want to hear more of this delightful, delectable voice, feel free to join me there. There we go. Peace out, my friends. Peace.